Hello, this is Bittersweet Ramblings. This is a podcast looking at relationships within a visual, auditory, or written art form, like a film, book, short stories, or a music video. Today, I'm going to be taking a look at and talking a little bit about sense and sensibility, and also talking a little bit about beauty pageants. So let's get started. Don't believe in that waiting for your prince to come nonsense. If you wait or spend a lot of time throwing yourself into peril, you may not like the prince you get. And the people who paint themselves as princes may not like what they get either. Do you really want to be stuck with somebody with a complete lack of regard for basic personal safety? Speaking of a lack of regard for personal safety, the romance for Marianne and Sense and Sensibility really bugs me. It seemed to be expected that Marianne was to be a reward for Colonel Brandon being a decent neighbor. She was a teenager. She had a propensity for running into the rain in dramatic fashion. A precursor to the perils of Pauline or the perils of Penelope Pitstop. What she really needed was like a good nurse to help her get over her bout of pneumonia and then rip her a new one for being stupid and causing her own illness in the first place. Guess where that nurse is going to shove the thermometer the next time you don't straighten the hell out. But there wasn't a nurse, so now, you know, her prince, prince 35-year-old really into teenagers, comes racing in to save Marianne from a bad cold and the doldrums. And... Why was a 35-year-old into a teenager? Because she reminded him of the one who got away years ago when they were both teenagers. The one he couldn't save. Because for Colonel Brandon, the one who was taken away did so when she was a teenager. And he didn't stay in any sort of contact with her. Even though she was his sister-in-law. So he didn't see her grow and change. And I'm not talking about staying in love or professing heartfelt letters or anything like that. She was his sister-in-law. Send a letter every year or so. It's, it's not that hard. And in Marianne, he found a replacement that matched his memory. And he was able to do a reboot. And then, you know, Prince Ride to the Rescue a decade late comes rolling in ready to relive the big moment and end it the right way this time. And he was too late to help that first one, but... With a little patience and a mere 15-year wait for the big show, this time he came through. And it worked this time. So how many other teenagers is he gonna want to save once Marianne doesn't look young anymore? And Marianne and her family are gonna expect him to rush in and save them every time something goes wrong. So what happens when he can't be the rescuer? Nobody can constantly be the rescuer. You can't place that kind of burden on someone, continually expecting them to race into the rescue. You can't sit there and yelp, help me, help me, every time you have a flat tire or get stuck on the toilet with no paper, or realize late at night that there appears to be a face in the wood grain of your bedroom door looking at you and like not in a good way. And what can a 16 year old talk about with somebody who's over 30? Have you talked to a 16-year-old recently? It's pretty much just, 
Oh my god, did you see what Dolly wore to the dance? I was gonna wear green, and then she said she was already gonna wear green, but I didn't see her green dress anywhere in her room, and you know she wasn't gonna wear green. She just said she was gonna wear green because she saw my new green dress, and it was really pretty, and I had just the right shade of green. And then she said I couldn't wear it because I'd be copying her, and then she said she'd tell everybody I was copying her, and why did she have to be so mean all the time? This was like the worst dance ever. It's that verbatim, pretty much like hours straight. So she's a child and he spent time in the army and as a landowner. Yeah, they're going to have a ton in common. The dinner conversations are going to be awesome. I mean, a teenager hasn't had time to figure out who they are yet. And then he stuck around for years until she didn't think there were any other options. How many guys stayed away from her because Colonel Brandon kept hanging around with the family? Someone that much older chasing a teenager is not looking for a partner. They are looking for a trophy. And the only person she's going to be a trophy to are his friends who won't view her as a person. So outside of her family and a friend or two, who is she really going to have to talk to? Don't get me wrong. In the movie, Alan Rickman could almost sell the part. Almost. But he could have been her father. It was treading really close to pedophilia. Just, ugh. And no, back in the time when this was written, the Regency period, it was not the norm for teenagers to marry guys over 30. People were much more likely to marry someone close to their age in the mid-20s. I looked it up on the internet, so it's clearly fact. There were even footnotes on the websites I looked at, so it was like quality information. Like all three of the websites that I looked at and didn't write down because I'm super good at research. Like, there's a first few in the Google search after you skip over the ads, so I'm going to call the research done on that one. So when you pick someone you value as a trophy instead of a partner, what happens when they don't become successful enough? Or when they become too successful and you feel left behind? Or when they age? Or if they gain weight? Or what if you see a quote-unquote better prize that you might be able to latch on to? How dull do you have to be to want to spend time with someone you view as nothing more than an object to further your own ego? And how insulting is that to the person who you view as nothing more than a trophy? There are people who view beauty or power or attention or wealth as a prize. When I was young, I remember turning on the TV and there was a beauty pageant playing. At that age, I would always watch the pageants. Now, I'm pretty sure I saw this on television, but I haven't been able to find any history on it, so I can't verify it. It would have been on PBS because that was the only channel we got at the time. And I was confused about why there would be a beauty pageant on PBS, but I was willing to go with it. Because at that time, from what I understood, looks were extremely important. It was very important to put on a good face. Beauty was the gold standard. At the time, I had blonde hair, so I would always root for the contestants with blonde hair because I could see myself in their place. I would imagine that maybe someday I could be in a pageant like that and be admired and rewarded and whatnot. Because according to everything I had seen, that was what people paid attention to and admired. But I was pretty much always wrong about who would win because there are apparently other factors that play into beauty pageants besides hair color. In this contest, the contestant I picked out as my own personal avatar was in the running. So they reached the end of the pageant and the judges carefully tabulated the results. 
I was on the edge of my seat and I picked wrong again, which is not a shock based on the criteria I used. And I remember the other women surrounding the winner and congratulating her. Then they all walked off the stage and, and the announcer placed a tiara up on the winner's head and gave her a bouquet of roses. And she smiled and she waved and, and she wiped away a tear or two. And then they announced, congratulations, you now get to marry the prince. Which confused me because I did not see the beginning of the show, so I did not know the name of the pageant or what it was for, and I certainly did not know what the prize was. And then they rolled out the prince, who looked like he was approximately 150 years old. There was an IV or two hanging from his wheelchair with additional racks to hold IVs on the side. He had these sort of arthritic claw-like hands, which were wound around the armrests on the wheelchair. He was completely bald and hunched over. Even through the snow of the TV screen, I could see his head and his face were covered in liver spots. And his mouth didn't close all the way, so he had this sort of half-smile, half-leer, slack-jaw thing going on. You got the impression that maybe somebody had, like, wiped some drool off his face before they rolled him out. The winner of the pageant sort of carefully half sat on his lap in the wheelchair, holding herself up on one leg. And then he kind of wound a hand around her waist. Like, it didn't look like he would be able to move, but apparently he could. And she kept smiling and petting his head and kissing his forehead. Like, his slack, liver-spotted forehead. Like, just avoiding his half-open mouth just desperately trying to sell everyone on her affection for this bachelor prince. You could just smell the desperation through the screen. And she was doing everything she could to prove she was into him, without like anything that was overtly sexual, or doing anything that would knock loose any of the many, many, many tubes tied between his body and the various bags of IV liquid hanging from his wheelchair and hangers. It was abhorrent. I was completely terrified. I can't think of any horror movies that have out-twist-ended me on that reveal. I had a significant number of nightmares after that, about being forced into a beauty pageant and winning against my will, or not realizing what the prize was and being forced to marry some 800-year-old prince nightmare who kept reaching for me with those claw-like hands and his legs kept moving so the wheelchair was like moving really fast and I was running like Scooby-Doo gang starting off on a chase scene just running in place not really moving and he just kept drooling and grabbing just shoved the IV bags out of the way and just kept grabbing at me and everybody was trying to keep me on the stage and I was desperately trying to get away. These were, you know, the usual types of dreams that teenagers have about beauty pageants. I still don't know if it was a real show or not because it was back in the 80s and things were just weird in the 80s stuff. And I can't find any history on it. But if it was a real show, I would personally like to thank the producers of it for years and years of nightmares and an extreme aversion to beauty pageants. And if it wasn't real, clearly my subconscious was telling me, subtly, enough with the beauty pageants, these are not where you want to be. It could have been a little more subtle. I would have taken the hint. It was around that time that I decided that I needed to get into studying more, because if this was how the beauty thing worked, I wanted out. 
because it was the 80s and I didn't understand that you could still be into studying but like some of the fun beauty stuff. And that pageants are about standards, not people. I think the main takeaway I had from this was, you know, if you see a little old man sort of hunched over in a wheelchair, just reaching out with, with his arthritic hands, just looking for a touch of human kindness, what, what you really need to do is fucking run. It's a trap. I dreamt about this. He is going to grab the back of your head and start pulling it down. And no, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman or how you identify. He's going in for the tongue. Just kick over the wheelchair and knock away the IVs if you need to. Just get the hell away from him. He is, he is, just, he is a predator just disguised in a wheelchair. So just run. Wait. Wait, 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 uh, I'm supposed to stop saying that because my mom and my sister are nurses and apparently advising people to kick over wheelchairs with people in them is frowned upon. So you should probably just call for his nurse. Like there's no way that you can have that many IVs and be in a wheelchair and not have a nurse somewhere around you. And then when they go over to gently take care of him, he can try to be all gropey, gropey, feely, feely with the nurse. And we'll see how that works because nurses don't play around. They will restrain your ass and they'll give you some nighty night meds and you'll have a nice little snooze. And they'll probably throw in some saltpeter or since that's not supposed to work, they'll give him some licorice to just kill the testosterone. He'll be Prince wilted like a dead flower. Like seriously, don't piss off a nurse. They're scary. Next time I'm planning on talking a bit about cooking shows. I don't really get cooking shows. But I also can't cook. So that may have something to do with my not getting cooking shows. Have a good night. <laughs>